This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Um, so uh, today is a big day. Um, I have uh, Sarah Ohanzian. Again. And Jeff Gibbard uh, here today. Uh, and uh, I get to do with them what I like, um, at least in context of this episode. Uh, we're going to be speaking about uh, block scheduling. Um, at first, you may be like, well, that's a dry topic, but you're going to soon learn that it's going to change your life, um, as it has both Sarah's, Jeff's, and it's changing mine. Um, so uh, without further ado, we're going to kick it off to Jeff's favorite part of the show. It is really my favorite. Welcome back to the Heroic Council. Uh, now it's all downhill from here. Um, today we're talking about uh, block scheduling, um, and uh, if uh, Jeff, I feel like a few people who are listening probably have never heard of block scheduling from before, or uh, Sarah as well. Um, would uh, one of you like to just kind of give me a, a quick introduction into like what block block scheduling really is? Sarah, you want to take that one? Sure. So block scheduling is a mechanism for managing your time and it's physically blocking off time, like likely in two, two to four hour blocks onto your calendar so that you can work on the tasks that are most important to you. Um, a, a nice byproduct of block scheduling is batching your work so that you're working on like things together within those set time blocks. So um, I often think back to high school almost when I think about block scheduling. We had normal scheduling. I don't know what that's called, but normal scheduling uh, where we had like 50 minute periods and then maybe 10 minutes to get to our next period. And we had six or seven periods a day. And then one day we switched to block scheduling, which was more of like two, two and a half hour chunks of time. Um, and I remember this big shift from regular scheduling to block scheduling. So if you've experienced that in school, that's a good frame of reference. Um, and that's really what we're talking about today and then applying it to your work and also your personal life. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, go for it, Jeff. I was just going to say one thing that I'll add is that I, I tend to think of block scheduling, uh, everything that Sarah just said um, is, is absolutely how I think of it in terms of how it's applied. The one thing that I want to add that I think is important is um, block scheduling is a means of uh, thinking about what your priorities are in advance and then setting a structure on your calendar that allows you to um, make time in advance and set aside the time for what those priorities are. So like, it's not just a method of, it is an excellent method of being able to take what you have to do and putting it into set areas on your schedule. But I think the thing that I found the most value from it is in thinking about what I want my schedule to look like, and then using the blocks to create that type of a lifestyle, and then fitting everything into where those blocks are. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more prescriptive than it is um, sort of like something that you do after the fact to make everything fit. It works in both ways, but for me, where I found the real value is in using those blocks to think about how do I get accomplished everything that I want to get accomplished as a priority. Hmm. So I, I, th I thought it would be um, uh, a good idea just for, for some additional context to kind of go back to the beginning. And uh, what, what was it that kind of um, brought you to a position where you're like, I need something to help resolve these certain issues that I'm running into, therefore I'm building a block schedule. Like where did, where did this, where, why did you introduce this into your um, work life? Uh, Sarah, why don't we start with you? 
Yeah, we're yeah. Both different on this. Sarah's definitely going to <laughs> answer to me on this. <laughs> that was a great question. And I think that the, the point of the question is also so good in that block scheduling is such a personalized experience. And it's not that everyone's block schedule looks the same and everyone works on the same things. It's just not practical. The, the point of the schedule is that it is tailored, customized, and personal to you. So that's, you know, point number one. When I started using it was, I was a busy, I was a, a chief marketing officer before I started my company. And it was crazy. Like we had so much going on. We had things coming in from all directions. So I just one day was like, I have to take control of my time um, and I have to be able to set some boundaries. So one way that I, I chose to do, to do that, and I actually by default led my team on that path, was I started by having meeting days and non-meeting days. So it was almost like we, we would take a whole day of the week and try to have all of the meetings. So mentally, I knew I'm not going to get my work done today. I'm in the frame of mind to have meetings. And then I would have the following day being blocked out to have more time to work on all of the tasks that came out of the meetings we just had. So fundamentally, that was like a really simple way to get it started, where I almost had a, a theme for the day. And I tried to do as many back-to-back -back meetings as I could. Um, and we can get into later all the reasons why why that's a good idea, but that's really how it started for me, trying to get my meetings more aligned. Um, so I wasn't constantly in and out of meetings all week. Um, and, and before we move on to Jeff, um, I just wanna kind of ask, um, wh what was the tangible benefits once you have implemented? What, what, was, what was your initial, um, what was the initial uh, product of that? Well, well, first was really the mental side, because what comes out of meetings is more work. So if you're going between meetings and, and not really having any time to work on the, the task that comes out of those meetings, you're just really setting your up to, yourself up to feel more and more behind all the time. So for me, having this meeting day and non-meeting day, it assured me that I had enough time to get done everything that we were talking about in the meetings. So mm -hmm. that, that was really tangibly the, the first change. And then it also just helped me structure my life in a, in a way, right? And, and it helped us say, this is the time that we're available to meet. We are only going to meet on these days in these blocks of times. And it just helped all of us streamline our schedules a little bit better. Hmm. Um, so, so Jeff, because uh, you, you had a very different, um, you were, you were working very differently than Sarah. Um, so, so what, what, where, why did you end up coming uh, across block scheduling? So for me, it's, it's important to, so like Sarah was a list maker early in her life, right? Like she's been an organized person kind of by nature throughout her existence. Me, no, I'm not that guy. So all of the structures and the organization, everything that I do now that people look at and they're like, wow, like you're so organized. That, like it is all self-imposed and it's self-imposed over the better half uh, or, or the better course of more than a decade at this point. So I was working, uh, I had my own business and uh, there were really two different things that caused me to get super into block scheduling. I was familiar with the concept, but I had never really like fully implemented it. And there were two different things that caused it. The first was a recognition that, um, you know, I would take whatever meetings came, right? I would take whatever projects came to me. And what would happen is I would stack this to this, to this, to this, to this, like work right after work after work. And I would get to the end of the day having worked from say like 8 a.m. until like 8 p.m. And I would I would have entire weeks that go by like this and I would just be completely burned out. 
and realized that one, I didn't have any time to get any of the work done that I needed to get done because I was letting everybody else dictate my schedule. I was letting every everything that kind of uh, tried to take my attention, I let it take my attention. So for me, block scheduling became one of my first uh, lessons in saying no, in being able to say like yeah. time is spoken for and being able to set boundaries. Um, so it allowed me because I'm very momentum driven and, and Sarah talked about batch, batch processing work. I, I work in sprints. I don't work. Like I'm not the type that like when I wrote my book, for instance, like I did not write it because I sat down every day and I wrote 500 to 1500 words. I sat down on the first day and I wrote 17,000 words. Like I am a blitzer. So I need to have time set aside to get into that momentum. So I recognize that setting aside blocks of two to three or four hours to do a thing gave me the ability to get done a week's worth of work in that period of time. So the first thing was momentum. The second thing was uh, similar to getting to the end of those weeks or getting to the end of those days and realizing like, crap, I didn't get any of the work done I meant to get done. I make a lot of plans at the beginning of the year about what do I want to accomplish in this year. And I would get to the end of the year and realize I didn't spend any time whatsoever on priority A, B, or C. I just did whatever like client work was there and I didn't pay attention to my podcast or to the book I want to write or any of these other things. So I realized that the block scheduling was also a way of protecting that time from other things so that I could get those things done. And when you try to get into the rhythm of like doing things regularly, the block scheduling just becomes a thing that you have on a, on a weekly basis. And you just kind of implement it as a way of doing things. Hmm. Um, so you both have, um, have, have either started a new business or have kind of like rebuilt your business in, the, in a very different way than you have in the past recently. Um, I, I want to start with Sarah because Sarah, Sarah's business is a little bit less mature than Jeff's at this point. But Sarah, when you were in the initial days where you're still kind of like conceptualizing, what's my business? What are my offerings? What are my services? I don't have any clients yet. Like, what did you do? What, how did you use block scheduling at that point? Because I imagine like, it's not like, like where if you have a more mature business and you have all these things coming in that you have to do, like you're kind of setting the agenda every day. What, what did you do when you got started? Yeah, so it is so true, but once you're a mature business, it's almost like your clients and your customers are controlling your time. At the beginning, it's you don't have that external pressure, but boy, do you have the pressure of, I have to laundry list of things, build a website, try to get clients, define my product offering, like all of these things you have to figure out, right? And so that can be overwhelming. Like you haven't even started and you're overwhelmed by all the things that you have to do. <laughs> so the yeah. way that I used it was I really thought about, okay, this week I'm going to get done these few things. Right. And, and I can't get all the things done this week, nor do I need to, but I prioritized what am I capable of doing right now? Like I know how to do it. I have the resources to do it. And there is a need for me to do that right now. Um, there's a lot of things in my business still that I know I, I want to do. I, I, I want them one day, but I don't even need them yet. Right. It mm -hmm. maybe in two or three years, I will. So at the very beginning, it was about what do I need? What am I capable of doing? What do I have the resources to do? And then I physically plotted those out on my calendar. And to Jeff's point, ensuring that I wasn't wasting time in areas that weren't as important and that I physically took the time to accomplish those mm -hmm. goals. So it was really strategic in how I, I worked on things really, um, you know, one thing at a time with full focus. I think that's the other really cool thing about block scheduling 
is that I, I wasn't working on four things at one time. I was working on one page of my website at a time. Mm. And when it was done, I worked on another page of my website, mm. but it really allowed me to focus. And instead of saying, I'm a new entrepreneur with 50 things that aren't done, I started to get one thing done. And then I got a second thing done. And then I got a third thing done. And that starts to feel good. And like, you're actually accomplished something. It's, it starts to feel like, oh, this huge list of things I have to do. I'm actually getting some of them done. So, so when you're um, just, just from a uh, kind of like a very tactile perspective, um, for, for uh, those blocks, if you have like your to-do list items and then you have your time blocks, like, are those separate for you or are those like, are those integrated? Like, like how, how do you, how do you, um, how do you use the block scheduling in like these, like, I need to get these smaller things done. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. So physically I store them in separate locations. So mm -hmm. I have my, my to-do list in um, Todoist. I have some things in Asana. Um, but then my calendar is on Google Calendar. So I'm they're, they're physically in separate locations, but once I decide this is the priority for the week and I'm going to work on this thing, I physically put it on my block schedule, on, mm. my, Google, on my Google Calendar. So they are okay. reciprocal. Yeah, so it's almost like the to-do to list is like your, um, like just let's establish a set of things that we need to get done. And once it's on your calendar, it's like, okay, this thing is officially being tackled now. Yes. Um, Okay, cool. So, so Jeff, um, oh, like, uh, ha, ha, how, how's your evolution of the block schedule been? Cause you, how, how long has it been since you implemented the block scheduling? So I've been doing it since like 2013. Oh, wow. Kind of aggressively okay. since 2013, 2014, I would say before that I dabbled a bit, but it was really in 2014 where I committed to it. I'd say. Holy crap. I feel so behind now. Well, uh, I would say don't feel behind about it. Just recognize that if I've been doing it that long, when you look at my setup and how I implement it and how I use it, just recognize I've been doing it for that much longer. So like, don't beat yourself up about it. Like all of the things that you and I have discussed about block scheduling that you've gone through, those are all things that I've gone through in block scheduling. And I, I changed my block scheduling. Like we were just discussing this recently, but I just rolled out brand new block scheduling for 2021. And I changed it one week into 2021 because I had to adjust something. So, um, yeah, it's a constant evolution. So, so, um, as somebody who, who may have not have been initially the, like, like naturally organized, um, what, what feedback would you give to somebody who's coming from a state of chronic disorganization and they want to start implementing these systems without getting overwhelmed? So there are two things. The, the first is what is beautiful about block scheduling is that it is mathematical and it allows you to see what is truly realistic. And I think this is a really important mindset to get into before you implement block scheduling. So what's nice about block scheduling, you look at it and you say, okay, I'm going to work 40 hours a week. That means that over, over five days, I've got eight hours per day for five straight days. Those eight hour days are four, two hour blocks. And I probably am going to put half an hour to an hour for lunch in between. So now I have a sense of exactly how many blocks that I have, right? So if each day I have four blocks, that means I have 20 blocks for the, for the, uh, the course of the week. And then you can do the math and you can say, okay, that's 80 for the course of the month. So this gives you sort of a mathematical way now of looking at everything you're doing. If you know that every block is two hours, and maybe sometimes you're going to split them in half and give an hour an hour. But the point is, when you look at all the things that you have to do, if you don't use a block scheduling, what you're probably inclined to do is give yourself 15 minutes to do this, 20 minutes to do this, 15 minutes to do that, 20 minutes to do that. And then you don't actually get all those things done. And you're overwhelmed because you're trying to fit in 
what realistically is about 30 blocks into 20 block mm. 20 blocks of time right so one of the beautiful things that i kind of came to recognize is that if you make your blocks a reasonable size for you to get into the work you actually wind up working on less things, but doing a better job on all of them. And it makes you more realistic. And when you converse with clients and when you set your own sort of priorities about what you want to work on, it gives you kind of a more realistic sense of how long things are going to take. And I think that's one of the things that people do when they don't use block scheduling is they overestimate what they can actually get done in a week. And they they don't pace themselves to actually get things done. And consequently, they don't get it done or they misquote people uh, that they're doing work with. And it, it causes a lot of stress. So the first thing is to adopt a mindset of sort of what is the math of this? If I have all of these things on my to-do list, I need to realistically look at it and say, how much time would all of these take? And then prioritize them from one to 21 to 50, whatever it is, and start laying them out on my blocks. And when I'm out of space, I'm out of space. And I got to tell the person who's at number 23, hey, listen, this is going to go out to next week or whatever. Or if it's a personal priority for me, I got to decide, do, do I need to move something else out of the way to make time for this? So the first thing is thinking of it mathematically. Um, and this leads to kind of the second point, which is a really salient, like basic example of how this works for me and, and what I'd recommend people do. I know because I'm a disorganized, chaotic mess without my systems, that if I don't do my planning on Mondays, that my entire week is shot. Like literally mm. would not be good the entire week if I don't take my Monday and do my planning. So my mm. Monday mornings are protected more so than any other time on my calendar. So my Monday mornings are blocks uh, to do my weekly uh, GTD and like my calendaring and my tasks. I start out in the morning, I do my mind mapping, then I move those over into my tasks and then I assign my tasks onto my calendar and then my entire week is planned out. I know what I'm doing, I know how much time it's gonna take, I know mm. all that stuff, right? Mm. I have that time protected every week on my schedule. And that's one of basically every block on my schedule is time that's protected for something. So every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when I work with clients, that time is protected for clients. I'm not going to work on my website because it's a time for clients. In Monday afternoon, when I'm doing podcasts, like when we do the heroic council, this is protected time. It's a block on my schedule. No go. Nobody can schedule here. Nothing else can take this spot. So it's nice because the um, if you can if you can give yourself permission to say that I get to make my schedule the way I want to, and, and I realize for some people this is harder than others, but if you have the ability to say, I'm gonna try and figure out a way to make my schedule the way that I want my schedule, and then you lay the blocks out like that, you may have to adjust it and tweak it over time, but chances are you're gonna have a schedule that resembles more what you want it to look like than had you not done this exercise in the first place. Hmm. So um, what would you say are, um... Are, are some of the the outcomes of being able to design that way because because it sounds like it changes the entire tempo of your week and what you're able to accomplish and also there seems to be like some level of empowerment there um sarah do you want do you want to talk to speak to that a little bit yeah of course um i think the level of empowerment comes with that sense of i'm in control of my week um, and my day and, and therefore my life, right? When, when we are tugged in so many directions by so many other people, that really gives us a sense of being out of control. And what I hear from people more than anything else is I can't get anything done because everyone else's problems are becoming mm. my problems, right? And, and we've all been in positions where we felt that before. My response to that is, yeah, but you're in control of what you're allowing to happen to you, right? Just because someone asks you to do something at three o'clock tomorrow, 
doesn't mean you need to say yes. And to Jeff's point, when you're saying Monday afternoons is the time that we're doing, in our case, Heroic Council Monday afternoons, I don't take appointments during this time because this is the time that is important for this activity we're doing now, right? So certainly a client can book something with me at 3.30, but they can't book anything from two to three. And so my calendar is setting my priorities and making me in control. So I, it's a little bit harsh to say, but I hear a lot of this and I think, well, that's kind of like a victim mentality and saying, well, I can never do block scheduling because of X, Y, Z. And I'm saying, you can still have people book time with you. You can still have people call you and email you. You're just deciding when are my, when am I going to respond? What is an appropriate amount of time to work on on this initiative? And so that's I think what's what's important to people is this isn't like a, a total black and white. There is some gray, but it is really positioning you to say I'm in charge of of how I'm spending my time, and therefore I can get my priorities done. What what's important to me? That could be making dinner for your kids every night, like. Put that on your block schedule and don't let anybody else talk to you during that time. You know, huh. this doesn't have to be just work, but it's about what's important to you. And Jeff said it. Are you actually taking the time to work on those things? Um, so, um, uh, like, as far as that's concerned, Jeff, when when you when you're uh, kind of like like redesigning um, your priorities, like what are some things that you might want to keep in mind? Um, how, how do you prioritize and, 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 and use that to, to, to build your block schedule? So it's a good question because I think the way that I have tended to approach block scheduling, or I guess what I would say is like the evolution of the block scheduling mm -hmm. is um, the evolution of the block scheduling for me is that I have, um, you know, I've done one block schedule and, and I've seen how it works or how it doesn't work. And then I've done it again. And I've continually gotten better and better and better. And I guess what, um, what kind of been the, like the net net output of it is that I start to get better and better at creating a situation where um, I've put my priorities on the calendar in advance, right? So here's hmm. the main things that I think about is, is one is priorities, but two, I like to think about how you best work, right? So for instance, one of the things that's unique to my block scheduling is that I don't take any appointments prior to 10 a.m. Now, I still do some things prior to 10 a.m., but I, I don't take any client appointments. I don't take any new business calls. I take nothing prior to 10 because I do not work well in the morning. I'm just not as sharp. Um, I'm not a morning person. I go to the gym Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm a little bit sharper then, but like I tend not to take anything before 10 because I know myself and I know how I work. I know that I always have to plan lunch into my block scheduling. And that's something that I know a lot of people don't do. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to get up and work straight through the day. Nonsense. You need to probably nourish your body so that you can be sharp, right? A um, uh, couple other things I'll do is, I, you know, I think a lot of what I've noticed in my evolution of my block scheduling is looking at a schedule and then getting to like, I talked about this earlier, but like getting to the end of the week and really realizing like I didn't do anything to work on my business, or like, I didn't take any time for myself personally, or I didn't this, or I didn't do that. So I kind of almost do it like, um, I try to think about like, what are all of the things that I'm very likely to neglect? And I put them on the calendar first, and then I let the client work fill in the rest. Because chances are, if I let, if I, if I went with what my gut or, or what my, you know, normal way of doing things without being planful, I would just work on client work from Monday through Friday, like all day. 
Mm. Um, and I wouldn't stop. I would just keep doing it because that's, like, mm. that's what we do, right? And there's always more money to be made that way, et cetera, et cetera. So this way, I'm making sure that I'm able to set aside time for catching up on all those tasks that I'm otherwise not going to make the time for. So I put all of those things on first, and then I try to fill in with the clients otherwise. And if I don't have enough time for clients afterwards, then I have to make that decision of what gets cut. Hmm. I think another really interesting part of block scheduling is the ability to help you understand what is that project worth. So I, I am working with somebody right now and they are like a true perfectionist, right? They could spend hours making one item just, just so, so perfect. And the challenge with that is as a business owner or as a, as a, as a boss, you don't want your employees spending four hours on a project that really should take one or is worth one to what you're charging for it. And so that is also the beauty of block scheduling. It's kind of like a way to check yourself and say, am I spending too much time on certain things that don't have a return either, you know, financially or emotionally to me. So, so like, what's my, what's that time worth? And at the end of the week, you can reflect back and say, oh gosh, I really spent too much time on A and I meant to spend more time on B. And then next week you can adjust your blocks to try to do better. And it's, I think it's all about doing a little bit better, not being perfect at this. Yeah, let me add one more point to that because it, it, I was actually thinking of this, Sarah, when you mentioned like the client who says like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because of X, Y, and Z. And kind of to the point of like, where do you start? I think one of the best things that you can do is just assess where you're currently spending your time. Categorize all of the time that you're spending over the last month. Look at your calendar, uh, which if you're not using your calendar, start using your calendar. And then when you have a point where you have a month of data, look back at your entire month and look at where did you spend your time? Categorize it. Each week I spend X number of hours on this. I spend this many hours on email. I spend this many hours on this, that, and the other thing. Tra and like you can use time tracking for this. You can use your calendar. But once you know that, then you can start to look at, okay, what, you know, what am I not getting to that's important? Or am I spending too much time on something that I could spend less time on? Or do I need more time for something I'm not saying enough time aside for? And then you can start to carve out like what should your blocks probably look like? And you have to decide what's important for you to do every week versus what's important for you to do every month versus every quarter versus every year. Like I know that I want to have at least part of at least one day each week where I create some sort of content, right? Like I blog twice a week, we do the podcast. So like I have time set aside specifically for content. So that goes on there. Um, so I looked, you know, the schedule that I have now, you know, since doing this since 2014, like if you look at the block scheduling from 2014, it's like a totally different way of allocating my week. It was probably just like client, 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 client. And I've gotten to the point now where I've set it the way that I want it to be. Hmm. Um, Sarah, you, you had mentioned, um, before the show that, um, multitasking doesn't work mm. and, and, uh, and block scheduling is kind of a solution to multitasking. Yeah. Um, wh why doesn't multitasking work and, mm. and what is it that, uh, that block scheduling kind of cures there? Yeah. Well, this is a great question, Tim. This is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I, I, uh, I hate multitasking. I do. No one's good at it. It cannot work. I just like, let's state that for the record. It's, I'm on my soapbox now. Mm -hmm. um, but so what's interesting about multitasking is your brain physically needs to rewire itself to work on a different task. So if I'm working on something on paper and then I'm switching to the screen, my brain physically needs to adjust like those wires in your brain are, are adjusting. So mm -hmm. 
it's a lot of they, this is called context switching. So when you're going back and forth between different tasks, your brain is is switching switching around, which means it's not as efficient as it would be if you were sticking with one set task. Um, so a great piece of research I like to talk about it's uh, the University of California Irvine. They came out with a study, and it said that if you are like in a state of flow, focused on a task, and your phone pings, and you go and look at it. To get back to where you were at the task that you're working on takes 25 minutes. Crap. <laughs> so you think, oh, I checked Twitter for, I wanted to see what's going on for 30 seconds and you're back. You're not back to where you were as efficiently as you were working with focus uh -huh. before. So, but batching the work and, and the block scheduling, therefore, ensures that you're trying to work on like things together. So instead of invoicing a client, emailing someone, going on a podcast, it's it's instead saying, okay, like to Jeff's point, today I'm gonna work on content. My brain will get into the space of writing, posting, working on content. So maybe tomorrow is a great day for me to do billing and invoicing because my brain can then get in the space to do all of the invoicing in one morning. Um, so that switching is really, it's slowing you down. And it's also, you're actually gonna make more mistakes when you're doing it because your brain mm -hmm. just, it isn't functioning at its highest level. So when you can batch like tasks together, your brain is so much more efficient and you're gonna use the block scheduling to make sure you're working on those batches without interruption. So they really work very well together, the, the batching work and the block scheduling. Um. So, I mean, I, Jeff, I know you have ADHD um, or, or you're self-described to have ADHD. I'm not saying that wrong, right? No, I think that's correct. I was, pres okay. I was prescribed a variety of different medication over different points in my life, uh, which helped in, you know, different capacities, but I found other ways that are more effective for me. So would you, would you also concur that like uh, block or has block scheduling for you helped manage your attention span and your ability to actually like complete things and get things done? Uh, yes, absolutely. But not on its own. I think, you know, you obviously have to commit to the idea of single tasking to begin with, because if you set aside the blocks and then in that block, you have 15 different tabs open and you have notifications turned on and all that stuff, like you're just going to be distracted during the block instead of being distracted during non-blocks. Mm. So, you know, one of the things that I started doing around the same time that I started using block scheduling is, um, you know, uh, I work on a Mac and one of the things you can do on a Mac is there's a, a uh, kind of a, a desktop management mode that they have called mission control. It used to be called spaces. And the idea is that you can have a desktop where you basically put an application in full screen and you can just work on that thing. So for instance, when I'm in my email, I'm not in a browser window that has 15 tabs open and one of them is my email. I am in one full screen browser window that is email. And I work in my email and I don't work in anything else. I'm not mm. in a different application, you know, a few minutes before I'm in my email. Now I may switch to a different applications in another space if the email requires, like I got to check my calendar or something. But for the most part, I am in that application. When I am uh, creating content, let's say if I'm writing, I am solely in Notion because that's where I do most of my drafting and I'll just be there. If I'm doing my task management, I am solely in my task management, full screen. So I give all of my applications their own room to breathe in their own workspace so that when I'm working on whatever that thing is, I'm in a workspace specifically around that idea. And that bundled with setting aside the time and the, the mental energy for that thing um, is really helpful. 
Uh, one thing I want to point out that I think is really uh, coincidentally interesting is that, Sarah, you mentioned that data point of it takes 25 minutes. So a, a fun little hack that I came across, and I talked about it in my blog post today on how to overcome writer's block, is uh, my modified version of the Pomodoro technique. So I don't know if, if everybody knows about the Pomodoro technique, but it's this idea where you basically set a timer for 25 minutes and you work on a single task for 25 minutes. You take a few minute breaks after the timer goes off and then you do another one. And then, and then after up to four, you basically take a longer break, right? Mm-hmm. My modified version is I start the 25 minute timer and when it goes off, I turn it off and I keep working. So like I use the 25 minutes just to get myself into flow. And then once I'm in flow, I don't care about these breaks. I don't need the breaks. Why would I do that? I'm in my, I'm in my flow. I'm in my momentum. So I use my modified Pomodoro technique at the beginning of almost every block to say like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I start my timer and it's like a hack to my mind that says it's only 25 minutes. You don't have to do that much work. It's only 25 minutes. Then you get to take a break, but then I never do. I get to the end of five minutes and I just keep going and I, I just finish out the task. Yeah, I always hated that it set. Like, I love the concept of doing it to get you started, but I always hated the the stopping. And I have told so many people, if you are in flow, do not stop. Like, yeah. that is such a joyous place where you are your best. Like, don't quit. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and just real quick on the topic of flow, um, I am a firm believer that everybody should learn how to manifest flow rather than wait for it to occur. And it's not like you can just like turn it on and like manifest it instantly. I mean, like try to come up with um, whatever your routine is that helps to trigger to your brain that we're trying to enter a state of flow. So for instance, I've talked ad nauseum in different uh, places that I can fall asleep in like under 10 minutes because basically when I roll over onto my right side, my brain is like, oh, sleep time. And I fall asleep in basically under mm-hmm. 10 minutes. So the pom- this hacked Pomodoro technique for myself is my way of initiating my brain to say, okay, let's try and get into that flow state. So I, I have a variety of different types of music that I listen to that help my brain to say, okay, we're calming down, we're going into flow. So no lyrics. It's like basically like spa music or chill jazz. It's always something that can just be in the background uh, in like noise canceling headphones. And then I have that starting point and I get into the task and I find that by the 25, 30 minute mark, like I'm in it. Um, being able to manifest that quickly is, is like a major productivity hack. A hundred percent. I think what's so important is to know what those things are for you and setting up your environment to help you. Um, and a lot of people are are missing that, like blasting music with lyrics and now you're singing in your head. Like that's not, that's not going to help. And, and so I think to Jeff's point earlier, doing an audit, looking back at your calendar and seeing how you've spent your time recently. But also I like to recommend people do a, a distractions audit and see what are those things that distract what are those things distracting you? Because if you if you are paying attention to it, it just keeps going. Um, but saying, oh gosh, I live on a busy street. Maybe I should shut my curtains when I want to want to be working. Simple things like that. Just start to pay attention to what is distracting you, and knowing, being more aware of that is going to help you set yourself up to get into a state of flow in the first place. Um, Sarah, er, earlier Jeff mentioned um, that if he does not sit down on Monday to organize his block schedule and his to-do list um, and his mind mapping, uh, he's going to be relatively useless for the rest of the week. Do you have any um, uh, er, early week rituals yourself or late week rituals, I guess, maybe, um, that that you use um, similarly? Yeah, I do. So I, so kind of, 
Jeff and I have a very similar approach in how we do it. I do it on Fridays because for me, the weekend is I really want to try and I'm not perfect at it, but I really try to take the weekends off to have time to rest, refresh, recuperate because Mm -hmm. rest is one of these things that just it's like we live in a society where we don't think rest is important and I'm a huge proponent of it. Whatever rest means to you um, is really important. So therefore, I like to go into my weekend having a sense of what's coming up for the week ahead. So I tend to, to, to block up my schedule and really finalize things on the Friday before. I've also realized that Monday morning, it, I, we've talked about this last week, actually, about December into January, how it almost is like Friday, everybody's waiting to pounce out for Monday morning. And then like Monday morning, everyone's like, can I talk to you this week? Can I do this? Can I do that? And, and, and Monday can kind of become a runaway train. So what I'd like to do is to take Friday, block out that week and say, okay, I'm giving myself a little bit of wiggle room for people who still want to get in touch with me this next week. Mm-hmm. But I am going into the weekend with a sense of expectation. I know I know what's going to go on the next week. So therefore, it tends for me to, to make my weekend feel a little more relaxing because that anticipation of the week ahead has already been dealt with. Um, I also, because there is so much... Um, this just isn't set in stone, right? We're still living real life. It's not like I can have this perfect block schedule and I can never be interrupted. Um, life is life is going on. So what I like to do then is at the end of every day, I call this a 15 minute cool down. As if you're cooling down from a hard workout, you're not gonna just get off the treadmill and, and your heart rate's soaring and you, you like, you'd pass out and get dizzy. So think of it the same way for your workday. You're almost cooling down from that high pace of your workday, taking 15 minutes at the end of the day to just look ahead to tomorrow. What are my three priorities for the next day? Are they properly blocked out on my schedule? And just getting a sense of what does my day look like tomorrow? Because again, from a stress Point of view. If I know what I'm faced with tomorrow, it's going to help me sleep better and, and have a more relaxing evening going into that next day. So um, to wrap that up, Friday afternoon is really when I'm planning my week, but then every day I'm doing like a mini recap to get myself ready for tomorrow. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know uh, how you guys feel about this, but I, I was hoping that maybe you both could show uh, an example of what your schedules look like this week and and uh, and how you have it have, have it set up just so people could get like a, a visual idea of what a block schedule looks like, uh, at least an effective one. Yeah. Cool. I will uh, bring up my calendar. And then maybe if you're lucky, then I'll show you mine and then you guys can tear it down. <laughs> uh, I'll do mine first. Okay. Uh, Okay, let's see if I can share my screen. Looks like I can. Okay, cool. And you see my block schedule. Can you see it? Uh no. Oh no, wait, here it is. Boom. Now I can. Yep. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shut these all off and kind of show you how I construct my block schedule. Okay. Um uh just for context, what did you shut off? Oh, you shut off everything. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So to start with, I have two uh I'm a big fan of and I know this is something that I think Sarah and I do very differently. So for me, I have um 
I have different calendars for my block scheduling. So it's more like tracing paper for me. So I don't, uh, I don't put my blocks directly on my primary calendar. They're behind my primary calendar. So what I do is I have one uh, for my work. So these are my work blocks. So I have set up throughout my entire week. This is my planning. This is the hangout. This is heroic council. This is when I do my uh, email and inbox zero or check in with clients. I've got space for content, typically podcasting. Each day, I've got a two-hour block that's open for either office hours that I offer for free for 23-minute sections of consulting. Uh, I've got sales, calls, admin. So this is where if somebody's like, hey, do you have time for a call? This is the space that I give them. They have 12 to 2 each day, Tuesday through Thursday. My billable client blocks are these green ones. So these are the ones that my clients are able to book meetings, ask me to do work, et cetera. Now, if I don't have anything in the purple, I will offer it to my clients. Um, with kind of a flex space in my block schedule. And then I have mm-hmm. a master class uh, that you both know about that I do Thursday morning. Um, and that's what that's a blocked off schedule as well. Now, Fridays, I watch my daughter. So I'm off nine to six. It's blocked off on my calendar. I will occasionally take like calls during her nap time. But again, this is at my discretion what I do with this. For my clients, they know that these are the times that they have available. I blog Wednesday morning because I'm going to be posting on Thursdays. And I also blog on my Sundays uh, for the post that goes live on Monday. So that's that's my work block. Then I have a personal block calendar that sits with Hey, Jeff, can I actually, uh, uh, before you move on, yeah. um, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. So, um, I, so you have visually um, differentiated between different blocks through color. Yes. Um, uh, wh- why did you decide to differentiate these different ones um, from each other? That's a good question. So these are new. This is a new thing for me in using the colors. And the reason why I chose to do it is because at a glance, now I know when I have certain types of things. So right at a glance, I know green, client, purple, content. Navy um, is just kind of like a blocked off thing. Um, And the tan are all um, uh, personal. So that's just how I do it. So like these are um, like, if I go into the next week, you'll see like, these are uh, same color as these. These are all kind of like the, the Navy blue. Um, and that's just so that I know like, you know, what the different things are at a glance. Okay. Okay. And then um, I have like my sleep, my bedtime, all that sort of stuff all on here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, okay. So you were saying that um, uh, you, you've now added personal time. Yeah. So, so basically I, this is, I have a separate calendar. That's my blocks for personal side, blocks for personal and blocks for work. So this is basically my tracing paper now. So this is when I go to put my stuff on my calendar, I put them on the appropriate blocks. So these sit behind my primary calendar and I know what I can put where. So then I, I, you know, load up my person, my uh, work calendar and I can put them, um, you know, over top of, uh, hold on one second. I can put them over top of, um, you know, the different spaces where I'm doing stuff. Right. So like, um, I use Calendly where people can schedule directly to my calendar. And I also have people, uh, with one of my clients that can directly schedule for me. So they don't have access to my blocks, but they do have access to what's on my primary calendar. So then if I have a block, I'll put things, uh, if I have an appointment, I'll put it over the block. So every week I have, uh, my mind mapping, my weekly planning, et cetera, over top of those blocks so that these are all blocked off. Um, so that's, that's like all of my professional stuff. Then I also have a personal calendar. So then all of my personal, uh, things that I have to do are also going to be laid out on the calendar. And then Mm -hmm. I also, I know this is going to look crazy to some people, but like, I also have Calendly. So when Calendly appointments are booked, those go in. Um, and then I have a client of mine where like all of the events that I'm doing with them, 
I block out time where I'm unavailable so that they can block on my schedule, but also any of the events I'm doing with them. Mm. Um, and then I have content blocks up here, which help me understand what days I'm publishing certain types of content. So they're just all day events. So I can see up here, like blog, mm. rogue, yada, yada, yada. So this is what my calendar winds up looking like. So what I wind up doing is, you know, as I'm, um, as I'm planning out my week, I'll, I'll have my blocks back there. But then once I'm done putting things on there, I get rid of the blocks and then mm. the schedule looks like. Mm. The blocks, okay, yeah, no. They're more like a guide than they are anything else. So, so let me ask you this because we, we were talking about this a little bit while ago. Um, and I, I, I had a trouble wrapping my mind around it. So you have the block schedules, which are guides to like when different types of work are happening. Yep. Um, and help you make sure like that you're keeping like like work together. Um, let's like, is is that for you? Is that like super rigid based on where you are in life? Like like are you do you ever have like a client meeting outside of one of those blocks that you're supposed to have client meetings in or doing client work in another? Does does that make sense? Yeah, um, I would say that like if I was on a scale of one to ten, ten being like completely inflexible like mm -hmm. no wiggle room at all and zero meaning like this is basically a useless system and i let people just put anything wherever they want i would say i'm probably about an eight and a half or a nine i'm pretty rigid okay. and okay uh, and what's nice about that is that it sets expectations with the people that i work with to know when they can expect that they have my availability and it shows that i value and stand for the work that i am doing right so like if i'm if if for instance every time somebody wanted to talk to me two to three during heroic council, I was like, yeah, okay, guys, good luck without me. Then I'm showing that I don't actually value heroic council, right? Now, I'm mm. not saying that like each of us have had to miss this, right? I'm not yeah. saying that it, like, again, like I'm not a 10. So there are going to be times where like opportunities are going to come up. And I'm gonna be like, guys, you got to do this without me this week. But in general, I try to be very, very rigid uh, to my block scheduling because I feel like it gives me uh, the respect of the people that I'm working with. And it also allows me to set my priorities. Now that said, again, like I have these kind of flex blocks. So if I have that time that's in purple, like right here, like, you know, I've got the, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday blocks, these that are, that are kind of on the flex side. If a client's like, Hey, I need you for an additional hour. We got to do this thing. Or like, there's this new business meeting, or we got a pitch or whatever it is. And I don't have something there. I'd be foolish to not fill that time rather than like sit around and try and fill it with something. So I, I deliberately bake in a little bit of like steam release so that um, I'm able to actually be flexible in there. But if I have an appointment, which is typically how this works is like, I get appointments booked all through those greens. So if another client says, hey, can you meet at this time? And I've already got something there. The answer is, I'm sorry. No, I already have a prior engagement at that point. Mm. It's spaces mm. that I have available, right? And if they're like, can you do it on Friday? I say, no, I'm watching my daughter. And, and mm. to that, I might say, like, if you're okay with me having my daughter on a phone call, uh, or you don't mind that I'm kind of half distracted, or like, maybe you can do it at a spur of the moment when she's napping, then like, cool, we can make that work. But it, but the main thing is that it's on my terms. It's not on their terms. It's on my terms. And, and that could sound some kind of way, I realize, like, to say like, oh, it's on my terms, like, I call the shots here or whatever. Um, you know, I realize that that could sound a certain kind of way. Uh you know, for me, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just trying to show that I care about and value the things that I do and give people the respect to say, these are the times in which I do it. And I can honor my word for them the same way that I can for the work that's important to me. Um, so 
for time's sake, we should move to check out um, Sarah's next. I just want to say, it, probably in the future, it, it would be cool to have an episode on priorities and why and how it's important to, yeah. you know what I mean, like, um, and, and what that does to you for your life. But um, Sarah, can we see your box schedule? I believe so. Let's see. Can you see that? Not yet. Um, you got the share screen thing? I had to, like have some sort of a setting to like let it yeah work. i'm not i also might need to get rid of my screen share to make it possible for yeah me. it's not it says it's letting Maybe me but not. then it isn't give it a shot now oh uh, you have to go into your system preferences okay well so i can look, i can tell i can tell you about it if that's if that's easier um the, it looks very similar to Jeff. So I think that's that's a good framework in that um, two, I do two, two hour blocks, do have time for lunch. Um, and I also use it like tracing paper. I think that's a really good way to say it. And my schedule gets put on top of it so I can I can see those blocks. Um, I think what's really cool about it is that it, it is a way to, to, to determine priorities. So the nice thing is when you're looking at it, you can you can easily help weigh out that decision because it feels like I don't know what the right choice is here. I'm not sure if I should make this a priority over something else. And this is kind of a really cut and dry way to be like, well, I either have time for it or I don't. And so I think that that's, that's super helpful. Um, but truthfully, it looks really similar to Jeff. I have my blocks, but then I also have my, my schedule. Um, one word of caution is like, if you are using something like Calendly, which I also use and love, just make sure that you're blocking your time as busy or free, because that is going to affect what uh, a customer would see on your calendar mm. side of things. So just being diligent about making sure that when you use your block schedule, you're not marking it as busy because your block schedule then physically block up every appointment on your calendar and you'll never be available. So, mm. um, you know, little things like that of being free or busy are really important. Yeah. So for me, uh, to that point, I, so I, love Calendly. I've been using it for like four or five years at this point. I, um, I actually set in the check for conflicts. I turn off my blocks. So I don't have it check the calendar. That's my blocks. I only have it check my primary and like, you know, other Calendly appointments and things like that. So I make sure that that's, that's not a conflict. Yeah. I also, in my Calendly, I have, um, you know, Thursdays is a busy day and I have my productivity power hours on Thursday. So you can book a productivity power hour, but you can also book a client meeting on a different day. So I make sure that my Calendly is also being used in a way that allows for um, the appropriate appointments to be made and not made at the same time. So it's just a kind of another thing you have to check, but just when you're using your block schedule, make sure that your Calendly or whatever other scheduling software you're using is not affected because that could mm. go that could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Hmm. You know, it'd be interesting is, um, is it if, if like one day we could have somebody on who doesn't have a block schedule and kind of like help them set, like design what a, their block schedule should be based on like their very specific needs. Cause I know for instance, like, you know, if I'm sitting down and doing like creative work, that's probably going to be different than Jeff who's doing a lot of consultant, like direct working with clients, consulting work. Um, so that, that would, that would be kind of cool to show people, um, well, and here's one like quick tip is that I, I don't think people should get overwhelmed. Like Jeff's is advanced block scheduling. You look at Jeff's calendar and you're like, whoa. Um, but I think what's important is maybe just try to block out for Friday, 
just make a block for Friday and see how that goes. Next week, try blocking Thursday and Friday. Mm, that's cool. Like, Get into this slowly because I think yeah. it's so easy to say block scheduling didn't work for me because you tried and it got overwhelming and it didn't really work the first time. Again, it's not all or nothing. It's like, you know, do do a little bit better with it. See how that goes for you and just try a little bit at a time. Like block, try blocking out every afternoon. See how that goes. I think excellent advice. And honestly, like one of the things that I think I need to work on as, as just a, a person and a coach is that I'm a very extreme person in the way that I um, adopt things. You know, when I discovered Notion, I put like 60 hours into it over the course of two weeks. And I was like, I know everything about Notion now. <laughs> like I'm telling people about it and they're like, okay, start at the bottom. And I'm like, here's everything you need to know. And like, I feel like I do that with block scheduling too. Sometimes I show people my block schedule and they're like, yeah, I'm never going to get to that point. And it's like, I forget to contextualize that this has been seven years at this point or more that I've been adapting and updating this and finding out what works and what doesn't work and changes and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I think it's a really important point that like, you don't have to block schedule your entire week. You don't have to block schedule your entire month. You don't have to be thinking about what's happening in November this year. Like you can take a day or two. And I think that's yeah. really, really good advice. My mm -hmm. one of my clients, I said, block out time to work like to get work done. So take a three hour block and block it out and, and say it's your work time and tell your boss. And she came back to me and she said, that was amazing. Mm. And like, it was that simple. We added one block to her week. Mm. Mm. It's like um, step, step one. Uh, well, um, uh, it's time to close the episode. Um, so we're going to do, um, our, uh, our ritual where, uh, somebody going to tell us something that they're currently obsessed with. Um, who wants to go today? I can, I can go a la our conversation. Um, I am obsessed with Calendly. I love Calendly. It is a, it is a game changer for scheduling appointments. So it eliminates that. What time are you free? Wednesday at four? Oh no. How about Wednesday at 10? Like it's just, it eliminates that back and forth. It's very straightforward. And the paid version has a way to, um, actually charge for services right inside of Calendly. So mm. Calendly is great for Anybody in any type of business, if you book appointments with other people, Calendly is where it's at. 100% agree with that. I, I uh, We got to close out. I, I have some thoughts on that. Maybe I'll bring it up another time. I, I, have, I have a question regarding that. But um, guys, thank you so much for uh, imparting your wisdom on block scheduling. Um, it's a game changer. And, uh, and if you're not using it now, I would, I would seriously consider implementing something like that for your life. Um, but this has been the Heroic Council with uh, Sarah Oh, and Jeff Kimber. I will. Uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, we'll see you guys next Monday. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.